Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation. While evaluating a planet for membership into the Federation, the Enterprise is recruited to catch an escaped prisoner. But when reason for his imprisonment becomes known, Picard will have to decide who the real criminal is. From January 9th, 1990, it's Season 3, Episode 11, The Hunted, or Support the Troops, God damn it! <laughs> I'm Cam. That's Dan. And this is an inveritable cornucopia of guest stars. Yep, the very first note I have written is James Cromwell. <laughs> yeah, young James Cromwell and Broadway's oh, Jeff no. McCarthy. I really should have said, that'll do, Dinar. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a much better subtitle. Uh, Damn, why do I keep doing this to myself? So good. Well, you just you give yourself a moment to reflect, and all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh I had a great time. So good. Mm -hmm. Moral quandary, huh, Daniel? A real, a real brain tickler. This one. <laughs> I mean, not. It seems pretty straightforward once the situation is revealed. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, just Star Trek over here talking about PTSD in a thinly veiled genetic altering metaphor. Yeah, not bad. Yep, not indeed. bad. Mm -hmm. And then shipping them off. Yeah, right? It's a, like the it's a deft what? touch. <sighs> Cameron. <laughs> Plenty of Democrats have perpetuated our aggressive foreign policy that's resulted in the deaths of millions. You are absolutely correct. <laughs> the one thing I will never forgive Obama for is his, uh, his drone strikes during his presidency. Absolutely a war crime. Yep. It's the... Uh... The great American tradition, sticking our dicks in places where they don't belong. Our unmanned dicks. <laughs> <laughs> or our manned dicks. It's it's an old tradition. Um mm -hmm. but yeah, uh it's it was heavy and interesting and I had a great time. But enough of the enough teasing. Here's the thing. On Stardate 43489.2, the Enterprise is investigating the planet Angosia 3 as a candidate for entry into the Federation. Captain Picard is approached by Prime Minister Nairok, played beautifully by James Cromwell, who asks for help in apprehending a convict who has escaped on a transport ship from their prison colony on Lunar 5. The Enterprise locates the ship, which flies behind an asteroid. However, only the drive section emerges from the other side with no life signs. Soon, they find the ship's wreckage. Believing that the prisoner perished, the ship returns to the planet, only to discover the drive section they saw had disappeared. Picard and Riker return to the Enterprise, and with input from Data, locate and beam aboard the prisoner. When security tries to take the prisoner into custody, he fights back, virtually unaffected by their phasers. He kicks some serious ass, and even manages to injure O'Brien before he's dude. Oh! My body! Upon as you do. <laughs> upon further examination, the crew finds that the prisoner does not emit any life signs, 
on scanners. <laughs> <laughs> was that the scanner? <laughs> it was. Uh, I told you, Cameron, you don't need to do live Foley fuck. work. We add those sounds in post. You but can stop just... going. <laughs> but I love being extra, Daniel. You know that. I know, Cameron. It's my middle name. My my middle middle name. Your middle maiden name? Yes. I changed it. Mm. We all need a maiden name, Daniel. Uh... <laughs> Mine's Hildegard. <laughs> Is it? Not. Upon further examination, the crew finds that the prisoner does not emit any life signs on their scanners. The prisoner identifies himself as Roga Dinar, played by Broadway's Jeff McCarthy. Ugh, so good. So good. Cameron, what would we, what would we know him from? We would know him thing? from a long stint in Beauty and the Beast, from the original run of Sideshow, from Urinetown as Officer Lockstock, and um, I had the pleasure of seeing him in southern comfort at the public and he was hmm. amazing it was it was great he's fantastic would highly recommend hell of a singer hell of a dancer hell of an actor he also comes back to star trek this is the uh <laughs> once in future star trek appearance episode apparently yeah Totally. Anyway, Counselor Troy meets Dinar and after doing her job, finds it unlikely that he could be so violent. Dinar explains that he and the others were genetically enhanced, greatly increasing their abilities and affecting their responses when in danger. The crew also finds that despite being a prisoner, Dinar has no criminal record. Nayrock confirms his story, but says that the soldiers were unsuited for life in civilized society. When Picard raises the subject with Nayrock, he refuses to discuss the abuses Dinar alleges, considering it matters of internal security, and instead simply arranges for Dinar to be returned to the colony. Dinar tells Troy that the conditioning was never reversed or treated, and due to its effects, a small misunderstanding could often lead to murder. Rather than trying to fix the conditioning, the government imprisoned them all. Yeesh. During the transfer from the Enterprise to the Angosian transport, Dinar manages to escape. Easily evading security, he cripples the Enterprise by causing an explosion in one of the Jeffreys tubes, disabling the sensor systems. Uh, with the Enterprise blind, Dinar beams aboard the transport and takes control. He attacks the Lunar 5 colony and rescues several of his fellow inmates. Dinar and the other inmates lead an attack on the capital and confront the Angosian government. Nayrak pleads with the Enterprise to help, and Picard beams down with an away team but refuses, questioning the morality of how they've treated their soldiers. Nayrock and his compatriots explain the government's view on the matter, that the soldiers' augments cannot be reversed, thus requiring them to be confined for their own good, and perhaps used again in the future. <laughs> Against this, Picard is frustrated at their lack of empathy in the matter. In the middle of the argument, Dinar and his rebels storm the government's building, and in an act of hypocrisy, Nayrock pleads with the car Picard to intervene. <laughs> Picard elects instead to depart, considering he has sufficient information for his report, including the flagrant sentient rights and abuses he discovered, reminding Nayrak that he himself called the matter an internal affair. <laughs> with Nayrak fruitlessly protesting, Picard informs the government that they have to make a choice on what to do with their veterans. Dinar smiles at the away team, happy to finally be recognized as they depart. On return... Picard to the ugh. on return to the Enterprise, Picard notes that the government, if it survives, will be given assistance in helping their veterans with their conditioning. He also notes that they may reapply to join the Federation at a later date. And so, 
ends the hunted. All aboard the hot mess express. <laughs> and I mean me, not not the not the episode. The episode was lovely. I love a villainous James Cromwell. Even I know he was so not good. allowed to be that villainous. I just you know between the Green Mile and he did a nice little turn on American Horror Story, and he's just always. He's just always got this edge of cynicism or sinisterness to him that I just I just appreciate. Once you reach a certain age as an actor, you either have to be like a warm grandfatherly type or you have to be like a despicable old man type. And he manages to do both. He does. It's remarkable. But I love Sinister Cromwell. A Sinister Cromwell goes a long ways. I also love Warm Cromwell. I just I just love Cromwell. He's he's remarkable. Um what else did you love about this episode, Daniel? I enjoyed Deanna and Data's interplay uh, with uh, Dinar. Um, that was his name, right? Dinar? Yes. Yes. Dinar is served. That's how I remember it, right? Um, <laughs> You're the worst. <sighs> but you love me. <laughs> um, I I liked how wily and crafty he was dinar as a you know former soldier out in uh you know relatively civilian situations applying military logic and tactics which was great um i loved that i think for the first time i heard someone actually say jeffrey's tube yeah (laughs) you've referred to it as such but i i don't think i've ever heard anyone say jeffrey's tube yeah, so that this, was that this was is actually neat. the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so happy you noticed. Oh, I did. I ha- I wrote it. I wrote down a note, all caps. Jeffrey's tube, which was about four notes after my my other favorite note, which was this brought back the return of a much loved Star Trek tradition that. Uh, has kind of fallen by the wayside in the next generation, but I'm I'm glad to see it return. And that Cameron is, of course, the '60s fight. <laughs> You're goddamn right. <laughs> there, I literally out loud went oh, '60s fight" because <laughs> the tumbling and the choreography were just executed perfectly for what they were intended to be. But it's still that sort of dated concept of like this is what fighting is you grab somebody by their collar and you throw them that's how a fight works yeah you can tell it's a bunch of writers who've never been in a fight in their life they're like and then and then a bunch of people get on top of him that's how it ends that's how all fights end (laughs) (laughs) and it's uh I I love it and I hate it. It it always you could just tell this is television of a certain era because just based purely on the fights. You don't have to look at costumes, dialogue, lighting, sound, anything. You could sew somebody a fight and they're like, "Well, I know it's at least 20 years old at least." <laughs> yeah, minimum. So that was that was fun. Um punching and choking. <laughs> I I loved and hated that there's no uniform way that they say the word S-E. They they both pronounce it censor and censor mm-hmm. on the bridge. Data says censor, but Picard and Riker both say censor. 
And then Wesley flip-flops. He does censor sometimes, and he's done censor before. And I'm like, you know what? It's fine, but <laughs> I feel like Data is the one you should go off of. Whatever Data says is probably right. Well, but he's an android and can't use contractions. Except I'm pretty on. sure he did in season one. He did. It was before that trope was established. <laughs> mm. And then, yep. you know, Picard's English French is also unreliable. Utterly unreliable. The accent is just like nails on le chalkboard. <laughs> so good, though. Yeah. No. Um, when you're next deep in an episode, you never question it. No, no, it's only when you're looking at the quotes out of context and you're like, oh, the way he said mi amor is just <laughs> garbage. He would not get through. This is something This is something we haven't talked about, but as, you know, singers and actors, there's this terrible thing called diction class. and Pretty terrible. They will teach you how to pronounce and sound like you actually speak a language whole class dedicated to it mm -hmm. but never actually teach you the language itself that's how that's how we teach accents in uh in america at least it's true in fact at my alma mater and dan's time suck we were required to sing in six languages every semester six i thought it was only three Three that you, you like had to sing in English and two foreign languages. Wow. They must have lightened your load. I had to sing in six. Oh, I think... He doesn't listen. <laughs> I do did appreciate that uh, they used the... They used the transporter to hold someone in stasis, which I think they've done before, but it was I was like, why don't they do this all the time? Everyone they bring on... They should hold in stasis for at least a couple seconds and visually inspect. Be like, any bombs, any guns? Because that stuff seems to slip by periodically. So maybe do i I'm not advocating for stop and frisk, but kind of like the, the scanners at the airport. Like, just make everybody freeze on the pad and just, just take a look and then unfreeze them. <laughs> I mean, you'll find that in the future, transporter stasis is used more frequently. And sometimes in Good. extreme cases, for years. <gasps> da, da, da. That's a good one. It is a good All one. All right, Cameron, what did you love about this episode? I loved our guest stars. I loved them very much. Both of them. I thought they were exemplary. Um, I found them incredibly compelling and just so well executed. I really enjoyed the plot, and I really enjoyed Data and Troy working together, which... We haven't seen very often, but, you know, teaming up, killing it, doing the right thing. And I, I love that Picard was kind of stubborn about it until they called a meeting, <laughs> basically an intervention, and said, hey, <laughs> he's a good guy. He's been abused. Here are all the facts. Um, and he listened to his team and did. reconsidered his action. He did, which is... Something a leader does when they get new information <laughs> that changes their perception of things based on the facts on the ground, <laughs> rather than denying them for weeks while people die. <laughs> it's a fun time oh. to be alive. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> you. That was 
Do you feel better? I don't know where least? I went. I just I left my body. <laughs> I mean, I was just watching myself. It was. You were a hundred percent correct. <sighs> like I said, it's the way of the future. It's apparently it's not now. We are still a long way from being able to function as normal, fully functional human beings. I mean, we beat them to iPads. That's about all we've got on them right now. And it was because it was their idea. <laughs> yeah, but we did it better. We did it better. Yeah, we're number one at iPads. <laughs> <sighs> Shit. Um, Anything else you loved about this? I loved... I also really kind of loved the set, the uh, planet set. I found that fascinating. Mm. I know it was a recycle, mm-hmm. but I, I loved the way that they put... They basically kit-bashed a bunch of old sets and put them together, and it looked new. And I also enjoyed the costumes. They were... Well, and the um the new uh the the painted backdrop for the opening the like lovely. painted that was gorgeous i don't know if that was recycled or not but that was really really nice and i love yeah the costumes were not the normal type of 80s futuristic that makes this you know heave a little <laughs> we'll see <laughs> <laughs> i mean they weren't as bad as the last one right <laughs> Cameron, you okay, yes, they're not as bad as the last one, but you cannot justify bad behavior by pointing to worse behavior. <laughs> sure you can. That's the American way. I don't buy it. I don't like it. I won't stand for it. Fair enough. I appreciate your stance for the righteous. They seriously weren't that bad. <laughs> they, they weren't. Go on. <laughs> I got to have something bad to talk about, Cameron, and I'm not going to shoot my wad early. <laughs> Okay, um, but yeah, I I had a pretty great time watching this. I was drawn in and, yeah, was very entertained and kind of stressed out for the 47-minute runtime. But yeah, that's yeah, about it. It. It, had a, it had a good story, and it went at a really nice clip. It just kept, it's like, oh, he's on board. Oh, he's off. He's he's somewhere else. I I forgot to mention how much I appreciated him misleading everyone and hiding on the ship and like his diversionary tactics and like a double bluff. Like he did a really nice job of keeping us on our toes, being nimble and adapting to every situation he found himself in like a goddamn hero. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was great. But it wasn't all mulleted space G.I. Joes, was it, Cameron? What mullet? He didn't have a mullet. But it wasn't all space G.I. Joes, was it, Cameron? I was thinking of the next episode. That guy has a mullet. Yeah. Yes, he does. No, no, it was not, Dan. No, he had the 90s. Oh, yeah. Oof. Part in the middle. Which is kind of bold, but not quite. The Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, I just mm. <laughs> that hair, hair and costuming. I just <sighs> the outfits that the soldier prisoners were in was like half snow pant, half windbreaker with like moon boots. It was <laughs> like you say the costumes were good, but I'm sorry, Cameron. They looked like 
they they didn't look like soldiers. They looked like a dance crew that you that that you didn't want to mess with in a music video. Yeah, <laughs> they did not look like soldiers in any capacity. Like you have to look pretty ridiculous. They weren't soldiers. Um, they were prisoners. Right, but still, I. I hear you. Thank you for acknowledging my problem. <laughs> there was something that I hated more, though, about the costume, and I can't believe that you're not saying anything. Oh, was it James Cromwell's jump suit? No. No, I loved the <laughs> because, jump suit. Because <laughs> it it's literally like somebody took a wool suit and just sewed the jacket into the pants. Oh, yeah. That's full camel toe. It's so, oh, it's so bad. Like, would I wear it today? Absolutely. In Brooklyn to the right party. Other than that, <laughs> I think you would wear it all the time. Do not lie to I, me, Daniel. I Prairie. mean, maybe if I worked at a very fancy automotive shop, but <laughs> it's so rough. It's so, the costumes are, and now granted, it's a pretty good episode if I, most of my complaints are about the costumes. But yeah, just not, not stuff. No, I was not talking about the fancy wool jumpsuit. I was talking about the eye makeup <laughs> that the prisoners had. Oh, well, that ties all into it. I did say hair and makeup. Just a one-sided swoosh. We don't know what it's for. We don't know if it's, I, it's we don't know. Yeah, I was like, is this supposed to be an implant? Is it just supposed to be like, well, they're not human. So put a metallic Band-Aid on the side of their head. <laughs> like it 100% looked like, you know how when you're a kid, they sell regular Band-Aids for, uh, you know, Band-Aid brand Band-Aids. Then they sell the store like generic band-aids for normal people because who got band-aid brand band-aid money i ask you nobody um and then they they if you're really bougie your parents bought brand-aid band branded gendered band-aids and you'd have like the pink unicorn and princess like the girl band-aids and then you'd have like the trucks or <sighs> or race cars like boy band-aids and his thing on the side of his face looked like one of those bad 90s gendered kids band-aids yeah. it did yeah, i mean you're absolutely right Ugh, there's something i haven't thought about in a while sweet a cyborg band-aid <laughs> nice the needless gendering of everything I'm not hurt. I'm cool. Yeah, imagine how bad it is in in a romantic language, where everything's. Different. I know. I know, Daniel. Um, I, <laughs> I unfortunately still have to deal with that all the time because there, and I swear to God, in the town that I'm in right now, in Ace Hardware, there is a corner called the Foo Foo Corner, which special is it labeled? Yes, it is. What's in the foo-foo corner? Do I want to know? I don't want to know. You got to tell it's me. It's everything that, you know, supposedly women would like that's not Ace Hardware because that's for the men. So this is like furniture and home decor and barbecues for some reason and just just the most antiquated, stupid fucking thing you've ever seen. I uh You mean where I want to spend 45 minutes after I take the 2 minutes to find the right nut and bolt that I need? Absolutely. That section of the store? Yep. The section that's always right next to the popcorn maker? Yep. That section of the store? Fru fru for life. Yep. No. I mean it's like I yeah. <laughs> and it says foo foo 
the gal's corner on the front window of this store. I wish I was kidding. <laughs> well, you, I will. I beg you, take a picture. Oh, I'm going to. I will send it to you right after we're done recording because I just fucking can't. Yes. Anyway. There, we both rampaged on and everything's fine. Quotes? <laughs> yep. Wow, that was quite the tyrant. <clears throat> um, you're up, Mon Capitan. Yeah, I don't think I really have anything else that I that I didn't love except for... Mm, no, yeah, I really like this yeah. one. I almost dozed off early on, but then I got really into it. All right, cut all that out. <clears throat> A matter of internal security. The age-old cry of the oppressor. Fabulous line. Yep. As was. That needs to be a t-shirt. Oh, 100%. A matter of internal security. The age-old cry of the oppressor. We could put that on a t-shirt. Or a tattoo. Captain Picard. In your own words, this is not our affair. We cannot interfere in the natural course of your society's development. And I'd say it's going to develop significantly in the next few minutes <laughs> such yeah. a dick move it was fantastic so i love i love hottie picard and you think he might be my favorite picard so smug and he has every right to be uh i believe do you want to be dinar okay no i'll be i'll be dita and you be dinar <laughs> go ahead i believe you and i have something in common we do yes we have both been programmed Ah, yes. Yes, you've been talking to Counselor Troy. It is not at all the same, Android. I do not mean to belittle your condition. I understand your dilemma. But I am curious. My program can be altered. Yours cannot. The man I was is still inside me, but this this conditioning has been imposed woven together with my thoughts and my feelings and my responses. How do you separate the program from the man? Without further analysis of your condition from Counselor Troy or Dr. Crusher, I cannot say. But I believe it is possible. Yeah. Doctors. The Angosian doctors did this to me. If it could be undone, wouldn't they have undone it? I cannot answer that. Nor can I. Yet I ask myself that question every moment of every day. You are cunning. You must have Klingon blood. But the battle is over. My battle is never over. Prime Minister, even the most comfortable prison is still a prison. They're your brothers, your sons. And you turned your backs on them. Shame. 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 My improved reflexes have allowed me to kill 84 times. And my improved memory lets me remember each of those 84 faces. Can you understand how that feels? I am incapable of any feeling. Why? Then I envy you. He's intelligent, thoughtful, Typical Angosian. I know what he's done. But when I'm with him, 
I cannot believe that he is randomly and deliberately violent. In fact, inherently, he has a non-violent personality. Counselor, it took five men to restrain him, and he took apart half the transporter room in the process. Captain, you must do something. Call your ship. Enterprise, prepare to beam the away team back. <laughs> Status report, Mr. Data. I am, <laughs> I am afraid the prisoner has eluded us, sir. Eluted the Enterprise. <laughs> there is a full contingent of security at all shuttle blades. Shuttle blades. Sorry, I was anticipating your Jordy. Let me try that one more time. <laughs> there is a full contingent of security at all shuttle bays. You want my advice? Double it. <laughs> Poor Jordy. Mr. Dinar, I'm transferring you to Angosian security. They're en route. They will arrive shortly. I wanted to tell you I have no choice. The Prime Minister insisted and we have no right to refuse. Well, you would be foolish to consider it otherwise, Captain. For they are very correct. I am dangerous. There is no place for me in civilized society. I do not believe that. Nor do I. I respect my officers' judgments. I wish I could help further. If a way appears, I will. I appreciate your telling me that face to face. I thought you deserved that much. And you deserve to know that I must use whatever means I can to escape. I assume we are returning to Lunar 5? That terrifies you. I just killed three men to get out of there, Counselor. And I'm fully capable of killing you as well. That's a terrifying thought, isn't it? Even to me. Do they mistreat you there? <laughs> Not at all. I'm comfortable, well-fed, and housed. No, no, no. The Angosians take good care of their prisoners. It's simply a matter of not being able to leave. And my understanding is that these men are programmed to survive, is that correct? Yes, Captain. And that they will not kill unless their survival is at stake. It is against... It is against their nature to do so. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, I just got so used to this one-man show. I just steamrolled. No, it's it's fine. You're just I'm I was actually honored to be steamrolled. I mean you were doing so well. It is against their nature to do so, Captain. And let us hope they do not believe their survival is at stake. Lunar five an orbiting gulag. <laughs> Deep cut. I want to help, if I can. Unlock the door. <laughs> Perhaps when the planet becomes a member of the Federation, we'll be able... I will not be there to see it, Counselor. Because even with this overwhelming demand to survive that they've built into my soul, I would rather die than return to Lunar 5. You were programmed to survive. You can survive at the Lunar 5 settlement. To survive is not enough. To simply exist is not enough. Roga, tell them what you want. We want our lives back. We want to come home. I am not prepared to negotiate under threat, Dinar. But if you will put down your weapons and return peacefully to Lunar 5, I would be willing. 
Mr. Prime Minister, with all due respect, you will have to focus on us. Or at least try. Number one. Will you note in our report that if the government of Angosia survives the night, we will offer them Federation assistance in their efforts to reprogram their veterans. And if the government doesn't survive? I have a feeling they will choose to. What a fun time. This was a this was a really solid it episode. It really was. I mean, I it was very compelling. They got to do the the men in glass boxes trope before the men in glass boxes trope of like, you know, interviewing a prisoner in a prison that he's going to escape from, but the prison looks cool and he's got some insight that you didn't have and you're like, whoa, this prisoner's like cool and shit. They did it in a Bond movie. They did it with Loki and Avengers. They did it with, um, actually with Khan in Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes, they did. I love men in glass boxes. Cameron, how many needlessly gendered face band-aids would you give this episode? (laughs) God damn it, Daniel. Why do you do this to me? (laughs) Because uh, now you have to keep in that whole gender diatribe, and I know you want to. Fuck gender norms. I mean, here's the thing. This episode's a solid four, no matter what the rating system is. But if you do needlessly gendered band-aids, I'm compelled to give it a one just for the... (laughs) Oh my god, wow, okay Alright, and the award for most woke goes to Okay, Cameron, how's about How many jump suits would you give this episode? It's lower, all lowercase, the word jump, hyphen, suit, suit all caps The James Cromwell jump suit I would give it four I would and give I it four And I expect in your in your tally, I will give it. I will give it uh, four as well. I expect in your tally to write it that way. <laughs> all lowercase jump hyphen all caps suit. Of course I will. Wonderful. Well, actually, we're almost halfway through. I know it's crazy. Season three will be halfway through the series. I figure we do about a hundred episodes a year because stuff happens when we're doing two episodes a week, and taking two weeks off a year, I think, is fine. Um, so we do about a hundred episodes a year and I actually have a little tally thing here. Hold on. Oh my God. You have a tally. We we did the original series, which is 79 episodes because nobody does the cage. It's dumb. Um, we did the animated series, which is 22, but we did it in 11 episodes. We did the original, the OG movies, which was six. And now we're what? 56 episodes. We also had a wrap up special for each of those though. That's true. That's true. Um, now we're like almost 60 episodes into The Next Generation. Yep. Yeah. And that's got 176. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Next Gen movies. Is it four or four. five? There's four of them, right. Okay. And then um, we've got Deep Space Nine, which is another 173. Mm-hmm. Voyager, which is another... 170 and then the unsuccessful enterprise is still 98 fucking episodes three jj abrams movies 38 episodes and counting of discovery and 10 and counting of picard for a grand total cameron this is without including wrap-up specials or captain's logs of 769 (laughs) yep yep and 
counting. And counting. Well, I mean, I've heard you admit it on air, but uh, you've, I mean, you've said you were a lover of Star Trek, so do you have any regrets, even with this never-ending series, a never-ending stack of things to do in front of us? Do you regret signing on to this? There may come a time where we have the resources to allocate the editing to someone else, at which point I'm fine to do it forever. I can spend an hour and a half a week watching television and then an hour and a half talking about it. That's fine. It's really the editing where I'm like, this turns into like a, you know, a shift at work. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Or more, honestly. Anyways, that's enough of that one. We got another one to do. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, we have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it, so that just leaves one last thing for us to do, and that's for me to wish you all to not just have a great week, but to make it so. And for Dan to say, Keep on trekking. Sorry, I'm still trying to pull up the fucking thing. Keep vamping. Keep vamping, Cameron. They can't know. (laughs) They can't know that you couldn't bring up a shared Google Doc for a moment. How could we ever deceive people into not knowing that? (laughs) I was just enjoying riffing. You ass. (laughs) Nobody likes riff. I'm a big Annie Buddies fan. Everyone likes riff. Rap. Street rat. I don't buy that. Let's do the time warp again. Licking my camera, it wouldn't be the same as licking your cheek. That's all I'm saying. The longer this show goes on, the more sexual it becomes. <laughs> I think I think we are are becoming the slash that the listener is really after, Cameron. I think so too. Well, it's because it's not taking place. I mean, we started with Kirk and Spock, and there's just there's nowhere you can go after that. <sighs> It's the ultimate thirst trap. Just and mm. it's so good, <laughs> so good, juicy, <laughs> juicy, juicy slash. Just it's the randiest of all of the stories. Mm-hmm. It was the '60s, man. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was that edge of it not being acceptable, even though it was supposed to be the 23rd century. Oh God, it's so hot because it's wrong, but it's not wrong. How could something so wrong feel so right? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, speaking of slash. Speaking of slash. <laughs> Copper-based spooch. Um, yeah, Spock. It's yeah, copper. I got it. It's copper-based blood. So we would have copper it's blood. conductive. A Secret Weapon Production.